Hi, teachers. I'm Carly Walton, and this is the Teach Music Online podcast, your number one resource for innovative online music teaching. You are listening to episode number 40, Adaptive Piano for Students with Autism, featuring Connie Wibble. Have you ever worked with a student who had a little extra energy or maybe had a hard time focusing during your lessons? Or maybe you've had some students who were extremely gifted and you've been unsure of how to direct their learning and progress as their teacher. Well, in today's interview, you'll get to hear from the incredible Connie Wibble, who is a composer and experienced adaptive piano consultant for Faber Piano Institute. For more than 30 years, Connie has been discovering ways to help students in the autism spectrum excel and thrive with music lessons. I was so inspired to hear how many ways there are to truly direct the learning of students with autism. In addition to hearing how adaptive piano can change lives, you'll also hear some truly heartwarming experiences that Connie has had with the most gifted of students. If you are new to the Teach Music Online podcast, then welcome! I'm Carly Walton, founder of Teach Music Online. The purpose of this podcast is to help online music teachers everywhere have the essential skills and business tactics to create a thriving online business. Every other week, I feature a special guest to share with us some of their expertise with Teaching Music Online, their experience in the Teach Music Online program, and their experience running a professional music studio. It has been an absolute joy for me to hear how many teachers have been listening to and learning from this podcast. It's truly humbling to know that there are many of you who look forward to these episodes week after week and who are eager to apply what you learn. I just wanna congratulate you on being amazing and always seeking ways to further develop your profession as a music teacher. Your students are so lucky to have you. If you've been looking for ways to increase your presence online, get active on social media, increase your lesson rates, and get new students, then I would love to invite you to join the Teach Music Online membership. This annual membership is the only place where you'll find a step-by-step roadmap showing you exactly how to run a professional online music studio. Hundreds of teachers from around the world have joined and benefited from more than 100 video lessons, dozens of interviews, monthly coaching sessions, and an active community full of discussion. I can't wait to have you in there as well. To check that out, go to teachmusic.online. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while and you just want to connect with me and learn more, you can always reach out to me at hello at teachmusic.online is my email. Okay, let's dive into this interview with Connie Wibble. Hi, Connie. Welcome to our Teacher Spotlight interview. Thank you so much for joining me today. Well, you're welcome. It's great to be here. You sent over some amazing information about your experience over the years presenting all about adaptive piano. And I'm excited to get into this a little more because teachers are they're encountering more and more, maybe not more and more, but occasionally have a student who is on the autism spectrum. And this is what you specialize in. And I'm so excited to have a discussion about how teachers can incorporate some creative methods to really help change the lives of some of these students. Something that fascinated me was the stats, statistics on how many children are likely in the autism spectrum 
And why, why is it important for teachers to realize that? It's important for them to realize because they're already teaching some on the spectrum. They just don't know it. They just think it's a possibly a difficult child or someone who's not looking at them and, or their hand position is so crazy and they can't seem to perceive how to have a hand position. All these little cues are things that are part of the, um, a child that's on the autism spectrum or even just neurodiverse. It might not be just spectrum, but it's how the brain works. And so it was, it's so important to understand that you have a little laboratory right here. And as you sit and you watch each student, don't look at what you have to correct. Look at how there's telltale signs of how their brain works. And that's your first thing. It's just like, this is interesting instead of, oh no, I have to correct this. Yeah. I, so. that That's so great. I think sometimes I hear teachers say, that student is, and they label them difficult, or yes. that student has a lot of energy. What would you say, is there a conversation that this, te this teacher can have with the parent when they first notice some of these signs about, you know, th some of those things where they have a lot of energy or they're, they lack attention? Um, yes, they can, but I think it was so important for me to switch over from being the teacher that had all the answers. And well, this happened because I had four kids and I was single parenting and I realized I had no answers. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just discovering along with my own kids. And um, my world got uh, shoved into teaching adaptive students as I realized that more of the students were coming to me were very, were boys that were very much like this, jumping up and down all this. And some girls that mainly boys, and I thought, that's interesting. And they seemed to come to me because they knew I could be a fun teacher and a strict teacher and kind of keep them like, you know, these little looks or crack a joke to where they didn't know what was coming next, but they, they were ready for more. And so you have to have this, I call it morbid sense of humor. It's like, whatever, <laughs> we're in for the journey. And when you do that, you discover things instead of assuming you know everything. We do, we know so much, thankfully, as teachers, and we should, or we shouldn't be teaching. But the whole world of neuroscience has only been really coming together for the last 20 years and deeply the last 10, and even talks about teaching autism kids, students, the last five, really. So you've been having these students and I, I got a lot of them that were kicked out of other studios just because they were too lively. They couldn't get them in control. And, and I understand that, I really get that. Sometimes my patience is just like, hang in there. <laughs> and, and then it might be the next week they come in and the parent might go, we're trying new meds. I'm like, okay. And you might have this child that is so receptive that you, you know there had to be a, a neurological change. Hopefully it's not just meds, you know, it's the long haul. Can you go into what adaptive piano is? What does that look like in your lessons when you're adapting your lesson for these types of students? Certainly. Um, we came up with this term at the MTNA convention in Albuquerque in 2010. And uh, Randall Faber invited me uh, Dr. Scott Price, 
Lori Frazier from Yamaha, Dr. Corey Crapel from San Antonio to come together on a round table to really hash this out over most of that session that uh, we were there for the convention on, we needed to do something to address how to teach these kids who, if you really get in there, some of them are our geniuses. There are child prodigies. And so we were uh, trying to come up with a term, we couldn't call it music therapy because that mm -hmm. is an actual national certified program. And I love music therapists, they are wonderful. Um, dabbled into getting my degree a bit and, and I just not, it's not me. I'm straddling that one step between piano teaching and therapy all the time. And I kind of like to live right there. So um, that came up with the adaptive term. Now, what's happened since 2010 in the past 11 years is people have done different things with that. So you have recreational music, which there's uh, some wonderful programs of uh, just taking the C position and adaptive. I have that program, um, Way Too Cool by Deborah, forgetting her last name. I just uh, saw her the other day on, on something. Um, Deborah Perez and uh, in San Antonio. And then um, Dr. Scott Price has done a lot on working with uh, uh, autistic kids in a more traditional way, uh, but adapting each lesson very slowly so that they learn to play. So mine is totally out of the box. It is not that. <laughs> and <laughs> what I found, a um, little background, out of my four children who are all now grown, you know, they're 33 to 40, um, but they are, three of them were diagnosed as with in, uh, indica um, individual um, education plans. So two of them, one, one is on the spectrum, one is not diagnosed, but she's also a girl on the spectrum and one with severe auditory processing. Now, today they're all of them really well-adjusted, happy adults, thank goodness. But what I, what I saw with them, I observed, and then I observed things with my own students. And what I found is I had to get to know their brain. Mm -hmm. I had to get to know them first. So I call that playing in their playground. And I do that by having them come to uh, what, I have my grand piano, but here's my clavinova. Yes, I saw that you are a, a huge fan of your clavinovas. <laughs> you had am. them for years. Yeah, I have, I have three of them. I have two downstairs in my studios and then this one up here. And, um, you know, I keep them and then I sell them to students who want, you know, something and then I get a new one. <laughs> but um, the reason why I became so enamored with them uh, was, this is back in 1997, is I got one for an addition to my studio with my Steinway and another piano. And I found that when I would try to show, say, Minuet and G on the piano, kids may or may not get it, but I really wanted to get them into the history of it and how it would sound without a piano. And luckily, great harpsichord on here. So I would use the harpsichord sound. So that, that started my journey. And uh, I started using more sounds with different students. Then I found that my, uh, at that time, ADD was such a diagnosis. And I had mm. several students in my studio. I found if I taught them jazz, and then I let them 
just go to town on whatever sounds they want to try on the clavinova, they were calming down and sticking with lessons and wanting to get better. They had a drive to get better. Wow. Not just bouncing off the ceiling. So jazz and letting them have control of mixing up the sounds. They're still playing the same things. They're still exercising. They're getting all of the timing and all this. They're getting it even better because mm -hmm. they're working with sounds that they are having fun with. And it's not just a, uh, you might say left brain, critical brain. Oh no, I made a mistake. It's right hand play in the playground. So uh, right brain. So I transferred all that that I learned over to uh, developing a program for autistic kids. So what I do when they come in is I don't start them on piano because piano for an autistic child is gonna be like this. Muscle tone may be a problem or it's gonna be like this. So quiet, you can't hardly hear it. Instead, I start them on harpsichord, I mean on harp. And I found that, I did a lot of reading about this too, but I found that when you're introducing harp, guitar, and pipe organ first, they come wow. in, they've already had a transition of walking in the studio. But if, if I go, let's try this, just play around. You don't have to play, I, you don't have to know anything. You just go. <laughs> then you see their little heart just go, oh, I think I might like piano. <laughs> Yeah, they want to because they want to create. They want to yeah. be a part of something and channel that, you know, what's in their heart, like you said, like what what is inside them. And I just love what you said about getting to know them and playing in their playground. And I think that that is that is something that we should be thinking about with every student. We with often everyone. don't because we have an agenda and we have how we were trained or how the previous student learns. So we forget, we have to, you know, I love your philosophy of being out of the box, but really take a lot of time and energy towards this one student who is so different from the previous one. Well, that's just it. They're, they're all different and yet we're all human. Uh, but you might find that you have, maybe uh, somebody has two different students on the spectrum, autism spectrum, they want to try. And don't ever think you have it figured out that <laughs> if a one size fits all, because it is totally not. Uh, you might have someone come in. Um, one of mine, his name is Kaisha, and he is uh, a six-year-old, seven-year-old now seven-year-old Chinese boy and came in with his mom and she's like, okay, be quiet, be quiet. And he's talking, he walks in my door nonstop. So he's of the sort of the, what we call the little professor. He comes in trying to educate me about how to play the piano. <laughs> <laughs> so I could go, no, be quiet. You're in my studio, but I would shut him down. He doesn't know me yet. This is a transition, This he's nervous. And so after years and years of many times making a mistake or, or saying the wrong thing, I know to be quiet and let him talk, but then say, it's nice to meet you, you know, and interrupt it a bit, come sit here. It really is therapy. Yes. Yeah, it, it really yes. is therapy. You're yes. putting yourself aside and you are 
trying to tune into this child and what they need. I would love to hear what do, what do your goals as an educator look like when you're working with a child who has a different um, path, who has a different way of learning? How, how does it differ perhaps from what the traditional teacher might teach to a traditional student? What are some of those milestones you hope to hit or maybe you don't hope to hit? What are some things? At, at first with autistic kids, I may not know, or even someone with Down syndrome or something else, ADD. I may not know at first, so I'm not gonna have an agenda the first month. I may not have it the first three months, but what I'm doing, I'm creating a safe place for them to love music. That's my first goal. So that's and the goal is love, love of music. Yeah, <laughs> love of music. And then as I, I call it putting musical notes in your, in your bank, your brain bank, because the more that they play and they're empowered to just create, just like I said, with, you know, with that or with guitar, or if I know that they are, there's a word that we have in autism called perseveration. And it's what you also see in like two and three-year-olds where they want to do the same thing or read the same book over and over and over and over and over and over again. Well, um, many, not all, but many people on the spectrum perseverate. And uh, some shows in the past that were huge perseveration shows were Thomas the Train, uh, Minecraft is huge, uh, video games, um, there's some other shows. Oh, I had one, she's now 35, but one I worked with for many years and her mom's a good friend of mine, but The Sound of Music, I tell you, she must've watched that 100 times. And uh, she was hooked on history. So there's many times there's a, something they become very, very good at. Hers was history. So the potato famine, back in the days of, of uh, <laughs> the, the VDD, or what do they call them, the tapes, you know, VCR tapes, um, they rented that from the library so many times they wore it out and had to buy a copy for the library. And then they wore that one out. So this had for like five years. Wow. Um, and this is not unusual. They will, um, students, that are on the, the spectrum will have something perseverate on. Now, if you have music with that, that's good. So then you find a MIDI file, if you have a Clavinova, have a, find a MIDI file that has that song. So Clara Cowbell, I think from Thomas the Train. I had to learn that piece and I orchestrated it for one of my students who needed to play it. So what I did was just play, I, I orchestrated it. And then with Clavinovas, you can have a guide uh, channel where it lights up and they can just play that one note and then they get the whole orchestra with them. So that's uh, amazing. There's so much yeah. you can do with technology. And I mean, the way that smart pianos, especially the Yamaha Clavinovas, they, they are so smart and there, I mean, the options and the ideas are really endless. If you are a creative teacher and you have you know, that space to really create things for your students. There's so much you can do. There is. And, and that's it is you want them to interact with music. So you want them to play around with sound. You want them to hear music. But then if you find something that they love, then you want them to engage in that. You know, so wow. it's, it's all about what can we do as inventive ways to help these students. And so 
it just, this is my miracle tool. It helped yeah. me come up with so many ways. Our Teach Music Online review this week comes from Tara. Tara said, Carly is an excellent mentor, a wealth of knowledge, and very approachable and accommodating. Teach Music Online is such a beneficial peer community for anyone looking to build confidence and competence teaching music online. I look forward to exploring my membership and developing my skills and my studio. Highly recommended. (laughs) Thank you so much, Tara, for leaving this review on my Facebook page. I also love that she mentions the community and the support that you get from other members in the membership. That is an aspect of the membership that so many teachers have told me is a huge bonus. I honestly feel like as teachers, especially studio owners, we need other teachers who we are friends with, who we can go to, who we can collaborate with, who we can get feedback from, who we can truly become friends with so that we feel like we have a community and we're not isolated. When you try to do this on your own, you're dealing with so many roadblocks and challenges that you don't have to deal with on your own. So that is one of the huge aspects of the membership that teachers love. I see it as a bonus because it's in addition to the entire program, the coaching sessions, all of our content that we've had from the last year and a half. There's so much in there. And then on top of that, you get to discuss any challenges with these teachers and you get to build relationships with them. There are lots of teachers inside the membership who I see forming these relationships and collaborating on summer classes and groups and all kinds of things that they want help with. It's different from just being inside a Facebook group where you post a question and get some feedback. It's so much more than that. So I'm so glad Tara brought that up. That's why I wanted to mention her today. Because I know that we all love a little community and having support from other teachers. Okay, let's jump back into our discussion with Connie. I'm thinking about the parents of these students and how thrilling it would be as a parent of a child who struggles. And as a parent, you just want them to, you want them to have joy. You want them to be happy and have an outlet. Do you have any, I know, well, do you have any? I know you probably have hundreds of stories of feedback you get from parents that just make you go, I love my job. I love doing this. Are are there any that kind of stick out in your mind that are, you know, favorites to you? Well, like you said, there is, there's so many. Um, <laughs> I've been doing this work now for what, 20 years, I guess. I think I really started launching into teaching autistic kids in 2001 or maybe 2000 probably 2000. Uh, but one recurrent one I have is I have this little uh, darling boy. I started him when he was five. He'd already had a teacher. He'd had a teacher in China. He and his mom came over because his, his brother uh, is going to college. And that's another story. He's a miracle baby. He was not supposed to be born under China's laws of only one child at that time. It was right in that cusp of when they changed things. Anyway, um, they live here um, and they have a house. And the, so the, the son goes to school online right now. And um, this little five-year-old who's darling did not do well in any kind of education system in China. Very much looked down on if you have anything wrong with you. They come over here. They find him an, an adaptive program for him in preschool. And he's already playing the piano. Uh, so they have a teacher with him who's a music therapist 
And she's actually got him reading music too. And he's just unhappy. He's, she's not letting him play things fast enough. So they found me uh, through another student of mine. And I've had him for a year and two months. In that time, he's gone from level one of the Piano Venture series, if you know that, to level four. And we are working on piano he's literature. He's five? He's, he's now six. <laughs> oh my gosh. So cute. So, and, and it's been all online for the most of this time. Wow. And so I give him time to jump and wiggle around. And then, uh, you know, he's been doing some amazing jazz pieces in the performance book. I have him in all three books just to, you know, slow it down a bit. And um, we're now, we need to go to online lessons pretty soon. I just got my vaccination. So that will be happening. A in bit. person? Uh, yeah, in person. Yes, sorry. Uh, but that'll not be all of our lessons. That'll be just like once or twice a month. Um, so he's now, but I, he, his mom said, oh, by the way, um, he also plays church music and we listen to Christian music only. And he knows how to play Amazing Grace and all of our songs. I said, Daniel, play them for me. Oh, no, I can't. They're for my mommy only. Oh, no, just play them <laughs> for me. So he not only plays, say, Amazing Grace, he plays this beautiful interpretation of Amazing Grace he's come up with in his head. So then his mom says, would you play one you made up for me? And it has got the, you know, wow. lovely styles like, oh, I'm going to go. This kind of stuff. And he's six. Wow. So... But we are, I'm glad to have them. I'm, I'm so grateful because this is a child that is a precious treasure. It's important not to squash his spirit, but to let him go at his own pace. Because the problem the other teacher made was she tried to slow him down based on his age and everything. I get it, but not, not one like this. You have to let them soar. And what I call catch their stride. So now finally in level four, almost to the end of level four, we do work on things more, you know, hands alone, work on sections. Um, latest report though, she goes, you know, he's playing his pieces once and then he plays them for you for lessons, but he's just playing his own music all the time. And I said, well, it's spring, maybe it's just time for that. And we'll work on chords and, and uh, chord progressions, different styles, that kind of thing. So you have to customize all the time and not assume you know what's best. Because what are you going to do with a six, almost seven-year-old for the next year? I mean, yeah. I'm, I, I'll be getting him into sonatinas and more things, but he's such a great composer that we'll be writing down some of his pieces, recording his pieces. Um, you know, it's, we're, we're, it's on this journey with this one student. Yes. Oh, that is the best story. I think it's so, it's, it's inspiring to hear that the difference from when he was with this previous teacher to, you know, the shift and not that she, you know, she's very, probably very gifted and has an amazing uh -huh. education, but your philosophy on being open and listening to the student and letting them soar is what made the difference I would love to hear, you know, we're, we're about to wrap up. I, this has just been so much fun, but I would love to hear for the teacher that 
is nervous about adaptive piano, you know, these ideas, maybe they have only taught on an acoustic, but they want to get a clavinova or a digital piano, or they know they, they just have this, you know, feeling that they need to adapt more for a student that came to their mind while they were listening to this. What would be a few things you would say to them to just get started that might not feel overwhelming for them? Well, you know, with, with a lockdown, I haven't been using all these tools. There's a lot of things I can't use on here because they're, they're not on a clavinova, they're on an acoustical piano. And that's okay, it's helped me. So I would say the best thing you can do is, is be thankful for all you know. Uh, read some about what it's like to be an autistic child. Uh, there's a couple good books by kids about what it's like. And uh, you can read all the literature on, from adults, but get into the kid's heart. And um, then as you, as you play, just observe more and observe with an open heart and go, that's interesting how they hold their hands. That's interesting. They want to talk all the time and work with them as, as a person first and play a lot for them, play beautiful music for them play their songs, but maybe play something else going, I think you would like to hear this. So you kind of lighten it up a little bit. And you, what you want is going back to, you want them to love music and you want them to be drawn to playing the piano for the rest of their life. So what can you do to make that happen? Have them on your acoustical piano, explore the soft pedal. It's amazing how the kids and especially people on spectrum are so good at technology. It's they're some of these are six and seven-year-old programmers. They're just so hooked in. So use the technology you do have. Show them the strings. You know, maybe let them pluck the strings on the inside. Not drop anything in there, but pluck them. And show how the middle pedal, if you've got the middle pedal, how it holds one sound while you play big things. So engage them on whatever instrument you have and show them more than just how to play the piano. Get uh, them they're, interested. They're, getting them right. interested first before we go into our, you know, cause I think so often it's, I personally might, might define my success with a student by how many songs they're going through, or, you know, we, we just have been trained that way. They come in, we have the technique and the theory and, and you feel good when they're progressing, but have I even listened to them or have I even asked them a question or, shown them the soft pedal before, you know, their second year of piano. What, what are those things that could be really fascinating to a student that we just gloss over and we forget yeah. can be a fun way to introduce them to the instrument. And, and don't think of it as wasting their time. You're not, you are, you are strengthening that bond between them and you so that when you do say something, they listen more. Um, the other thing I do is, uh, especially with the autistic students, but anybody is like, what are you passionate about? And uh, you might not use those words much, but if you listen and go, what do you do when you're not playing piano? You might find that some of these kids on, on the autism spectrum, math, they're math geniuses, a lot of them, or they are amazing artists or geography, they probably know more than you do, or history, they probably know more than you do or architecture. Uh, one fun little story is one of my 
um, now former students, he's now 25 year old um, autistic child, came in my house the first time they'd moved here from Virginia, stood right in the hallway, looked out the window and said, I'm facing Northeast. Yeah, that there's there's a ways from where he was to over there. And then he had to map out my whole upstairs. He said, may I have permission to walk around your house? I said, only be upstairs. I, I knew where this was going. I'd been prepped by the parents. So he did, he walked through the kitchen, walked through the dining room, through the living room. He said, may I have permission to walk through your bedroom? I said, yes, but not the other bedroom. And so he walked through mine. I have a hot tub room and then out. He walked through that. And then he went home and he built my upstairs in Legos, in his Lego room. <laughs> so oh, I love this is why so you cute. don't say no, but you, you know, you give it boundaries, but you don't always say no, because you don't know what this child is doing. They're gathering information like crazy and they probably won't say it in words. Mm. Uh, words are not typically an autism spectrum child's first tool. And when they are, it's pretty rambling and meandering or trying to tell you something or teach you something. So it's not going to be that. It's a different process of perceiving information. And it's so fascinating. You will learn so much to help all your normal students. Really, I've learned so much. It makes me a better teacher for typical students too. Oh, I have learned so much from this. Thank you so much, Connie. Where can teachers learn more about you and your presentations? Do you have a website or a Facebook page that they could connect with you some more? Yes, uh, right now, uh, Mercer Allen Music, uh, I'm, I'm building my own because I've got a lot of music I'm composing. I'm getting out there too. But uh, MercerAllenMusic.com is my uh, studio website. And you can you can tap into me. You can uh, email me at, um, at, at that site also. And I would be happy to talk with you and give you more information about this. Um, I also have a video of teaching these students that would be very interesting. I'll send that to you, Carly, and we could see how maybe that could be used too. Um, and it shows me Great. teaching some of these students. Great, yeah. I will link some of those resources below so that teachers can have access to that. Thank All you, right. Connie, Great. so much for your time. This was so you wonderful. You are so welcome. It was so nice to see you in person. <laughs> <laughs> Who is your business coach? If you don't have one, I would be so honored to be your coach. I created a virtual course and coaching membership called Teach Music Online that I want to invite you to join me in. With 60 plus videos, online teaching certification, monthly live group sessions, hundreds of hours of recordings, and online forums, you'll know exactly how to create a thriving online business that gives you the flexibility and freedom that I know you deserve. Plus, you'll have the support of hundreds of like-minded teachers along the way. So when you're ready to really take what you're learning on this podcast to the 10x level, then come check out the Teach Music Online membership at teachmusic.online forward slash membership. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you have an amazing week and as always, happy teaching.